Hi, everyone. Welcome to What Else Can We Do podcast with Mary and Elena. Welcome back to those people who listened last week and welcome to our new listeners, hopefully. Today, we are talking about what else can we do to handle our anxiety, which we talked a little bit about at the end of our last podcast. So we have a little bit more structure today. We're going to talk about our topic uh, research-wise, and then we're going to talk about some personal stories and some stories from our listeners. So buckle in, guys. Let's go. Buckle up, buttercups. So first, let's just have a little, I guess we should probably just have a little chit-chat real quick, you know, just to get ourselves working and ready. How does anxiety affect you daily? Oh, God. I mean, it it starts as soon as you wake up. You, my alarm goes off and I have to worry about all the things that I'm doing in the day, how many emails I got. Um, I I mean, I went to bed one night and woke up the next day with like 35 emails. One day. Like, no, no, no. What, 12 mm-hmm. hours? What are we doing? No. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a constant struggle. That gives me hives thinking about, I just want you to know that, 35 emails. I, I get the same thing, but... Any amount of notifications gives me massive anxiety. Oh, yeah. I have, like, anxiety. Um, (laughs) I have six unread emails, and I don't know, like, they're so far back that I can't find them, and it's not worth me going back to find them. Oh, girl, you have to find the setting for unread and then go in there and delete those puppies. I have tried, but then I get anxious because it's taking too long, so I get get anxious and I just stop. Yeah, I am... I am plagued by the little red dot of notifications. I cannot handle them. It's everything. It's on the watch. It's on the iPhone. I have it on uh, my MacBook for Mm -hmm. work, Mm -hmm. our MacBook for the podcast. I mean, like, I am plagued by those little red dots. And on top of this, this is completely, this isn't even my own. It's not even my own issues. When I see the students... When I see that they have like 2,394 emails. emails, oh my God, what are they doing? What are they, do- why aren't they checking it? I, I can feel think- myself breaking out into hives when I see it. Scott I ca- I has a trillion unread emails on his phone and I know that they are all garbage emails. Yeah. I know that and he knows so it. So trash them. So he doesn't even look at them. But I'm like, how do you live like this? Delete them. What if it's important? What if it's a bill that you missed? And I, yeah, I sincerely, I freak out. If you're looking at our little sound bar thing, it is just mass. It looks like it what my looks, anxiety looks it like. It looks like my heart rate <laughs> when I get anxious. No, like my, I think my mom did it too once. And I was like, do you see all of the emails that you have? And she's like, yeah, what about it? I said, why do you have all them? She said, well, they're all trashed. And I said, well, delete them. What trash are they meant them. for? Throw them in the trash. Put them What away. are you doing? Throw them and into the Grand Canyon with Elena. Eat <laughs> me into the canyon. It just, it's awful. Yeah. Dumb little things. And then, I mean, like, you get my ADHD and my anxiety, and they're constantly battling each other. And I get anxious because I can't freaking pay attention to anything. It's a whole... Oh, yeah. Well, you and I both have every... It's a whole um, thing. Every letter of the yeah. <laughs> uh, anxiety and mental illness world. I have OCD and Elena has ADHD. ADHD. And we've got it all. OCD and anxiety, um, they really love each other. They are they thrive off mm-hmm. each other. So um, I have massive anxiety uh, for a lot of things. And I have 
one very deep-seated phobia. Um, I have emidophobia, which is the fear of um, vomit and other people throwing up, my dogs throwing up, me throwing up, um, and anybody, which is a large portion of like why I am the way that I am today. My emidophobia is so deep-seated, like everybody that's close to me knows about it, and it is sincerely like the worst thing that I can imagine. And every time I talk about it, literally every time, somebody will tell me their worst throwing up story. And I'm like, wow, I really don't want to know. I'm not going to do that. Thank you, but no. It's a weird thing to share. It's a weird thing to share. It's In a, general, though. Yes. Like, I'm never going to walk up to somebody and say, you want to know a story about my worst vomit? Right, I know. But on top of that, it's also like, I mean, it's the, it's the worst thing about me. It is the worst thing about me. It's the fact that I am so terrified that if you said you were not feeling well, I would literally leave you in a ditch. I would be mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And I can't, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about me. I don't know how it happened. But it is part of OCD and thus causes massive anxiety attacks. And most of my largest anxiety attacks, not the one I'm going to talk about today, but uh, most of my largest anxiety attacks were actually... Um, directly related to either me being sick or somebody being sick around me. And can you imagine in a world where, I don't know, maybe there's like a pandemic going around and like one (laughs) of the symptoms, one of those symptoms is vomiting and, you know, it's the worst nightmare of your entire life for somebody to be sick around you. And believe me, I understand the irony of me being a teacher, by the way. But I do teach older kids, so it is a little less likely, knock on wood. But... Um, yeah, so it like runs my entire life. So I wake up worried every single day, the same way that you were saying, Elena, I, every single day I wake up worried oh, yeah. about, about the dumbest things and about, of course, my phobia. I mean, every single day I'm worried about something so stupid, which is very scary to admit to even the 28 listeners <laughs> that we have had on Anchor, which, by the way, thank you so much for listening. So one of my weird, one of the weird ways anxiety, like, I hate dirty windshields. Whoa. I hate them. Okay. I just want everybody to know that 16 years of friendships is about to be like blowing <laughs> my mind right now because I I did not know this about you. When I was younger, I, I broke in one of the cars we had, like one of the Volvos we had, I broke the, the windshield wiper like lever because I was like fighting my mom over it to turn it on because the windshield wasn't clear. I was eight. Oh my Ten. goodness. I hate, I have no idea what it is. There's no real rhyme or reason for wow. it. I hate dirty windshields. And Jeff, God love him, tends to not care. Oh no. You must hate driving in a car with and me. I care a little bit, at least. Well, so a friend of his was over the other day and they parked behind me. And I looked in my rearview mirror and his windshield was so dirty. And I was in my car out loud. I went, how do you live like this? Oh my god! And gosh. just like sped uh, off. Like it's so stressful to me, and I don't know what. Like, what how can a you strange. See? Thank you for covering my phobia with this, because then <laughs> Listen, this, this definitely takes <clears throat> the cake for some strangeness. I can't do it. It I, is so stressful to me. And if I like my windshield wipers aren't working correctly, and there's like lines, you know how things oh, get stuck, or when yeah. they don't work, like, like when they're smear. getting old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope. I have to replace them. Oh, my goodness. You know what's so... I'm having, like, a recovered memory from going on the road trip with you. And every time we stopped to pee or stopped to get gas or whatever, I remember you, like, whipping out that windshield wiper cleaner yep. thing. 
And I just thought it was for my own good. I thought you were just being no, a good No, no, it's because it, you probably was dirty and I didn't want to tell I, you. <laughs> I was probably trying really hard to keep it clean, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Because I'm, like, really weird about that on a, on a road trip because there's so many bugs that hit your windshield. Yeah. But I remember you, like, scrubbing it now. Mm-hmm. Huh, and that's like, interesting. Like, in the rain, when it's raining... I have, like, you can't have too much rain on the windshield. And Jeff does that. He just... Just riding It's blind. just different. He <laughs> will, like... It's so weird. Randomly that kind bother of people. turn on the windshield wipers when it's raining. And I've I really concealed it. If he listens to this, he's going to be like, why the hell didn't you tell me? But, <laughs> but I cannot handle it. I cannot handle it. So this, this would be a really good... Uh, just another episode entirely of our pet peeves because I think your pet peeve has formed into a massive anxiety, but yeah, I have some pet peeves that we like desperately need to talk about because this is something I could go on for hours. Uh, yeah. We could go on forever for that, but let's put a pin in that one and write that down for later because pet peeves is a really good episode idea. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it kind of manifested when I was younger and yeah. now I'm 30 years old and I cannot handle dirty windshields. Well, it's, cannot handle them. It's so interesting. And this kind of segues into our research about like how things turn into anxiety and how we've become so anxious. I mean, I know that I have had anxiety since uh, I was born, I want to say. <laughs> I left yeah. the birth canal and was like, what is this place? Somebody help. And that was it from then oh, yeah. on. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that my anxiety is from very early on. But this is this is interesting how something that starts as a pet peeve can grow into this, like, massive anxiety. And, of course, my phobia it grew from something that happened to me when I was younger. So, And I really can't even pinpoint it. I just know that it grew from that. So yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy how these phobias and these anxieties can make us have a, such a visceral reaction. I don't know if we want to, do we want to segue into research? We can. I did a decent amount, I think. I mean, for 30 years of experience, you kind of, right. you know, I know how things can kind of manifest into anxieties and how anxiety can manifest in different ways. So a pet peeve manifests into anxiety, but I can also, right. like my anxiety can make me want to straighten all of the things. Yes. Um, also, can we just very quickly, we are not experts. Nope. Not even in the least. However, <laughs> however, we have been in therapy, both of us, for a long time. So um, shout out to our therapists. Um, yeah. We love you, Sarah, if you're listening. But not trained professionals. No, we are a not trained pres- professionals. And, but I want to also note that not only uh, does Elena have a bachelor's in psychology, because she does, but also her boyfriend is a therapist as well. So we are surrounded. And I mean, I'm a teacher, so you can't get much more into the uh, mental illness world than I am at this point. I do teach eighth graders, so it is kind of a disaster. But I, I would like to say we are not professionals at all. However, it's not like we're not speaking from genuine experience and genuine studying in it before. And care. Yes. This wasn't something that I was like, oh, whatever, we'll do anxiety. I mean, it's it's a care. And uh, some of the things I found were not shocking. So, like, disappointed, not surprised. Oh, disappointed, not surprised. It's called My Life? Are yeah. You, did you read my life story? How mm-hmm. interesting. That's going to um, be the name of my memoir. <laughs> disappointed, on my, on not my surprised. So some of the things I found were a little interesting. Uh, some of them were 
not. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's know? not. It can't all be exciting, guys. It can't all be exciting. Elena was in charge of research. I was in charge of gathering stories. So yeah. I'm excited to hear this because I have no idea what's going to come out of her mouth. So females, obviously, maybe not obviously, but in my mind, females, obviously, get anxiety yeah, more than men. I feel like that's completely obvious. Um, yes. Or men hide it better. 23% of females have anxiety. 14% of males. So it's not that big of a difference. Um, right. And is this like a self-identification process? This was... Or is this like diagnosis? From what I found, this yeah. was diagnosis. Okay. Again, I could be wrong. Hey, that's perfectly fine. Nobody is... Do not quote she us. Understand me. me right now. Do not quote us. Um, <laughs> uh, children... The only children statistics that I found, because I, I didn't really want to research young children because that makes me sad. Oh, tell me about it. Um... So 13 to 18 year olds, 25.1% of them, which totally makes sense because yeah, that's it's a, a high quarter school. of them, right? You know, that's yeah. like eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grades. That's when life really just sucks. And I can <laughs> tell you just from my general experience, um, sorry, I keep interrupting your, no, you're uh, your research. It is really prevalent in my eighth graders that I can tell only because I see some of the things that they say and that they do. And I'm like, Wow, that came directly from it. That was an anxiety response. That was not any other thing. That was just plain anxiety responding. But my anxiety response is rage. Like yeah. I start getting angry. And it is it is nothing to do with anybody around me. I have to explain that to my husband probably three times a week about like I just rage out about something. And then I'm like, you know, this is nothing to do with you, right? My and, name is tears. Yes. I cry. And, and it is... Often it is a combination of the two where I get so angry or so emotional that I cannot stop crying, which is one of our topics for later. Yeah, um, I, I just cry. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I cry often. If I'm angry, I cry. If I'm sad, I cry, obviously. If I'm oh, happy, well, I will cry. We will talk about that I more, yeah. <laughs> and when I am stressed and just that, like, it's nearing that, you know, I'm going to, like, eat myself. Yeah. Out of Grand Canyon, it's tears. There is a... There's like a line that I don't know that I'm about to cross. And then when I cross it, I can't even see it. I've crossed it. I've gone so far. I can't even see the line that I've crossed. Yeah. It's, I don't know when I'm crossing it. It's an invisible line. I would never know. But when I have, there is no turning back. This is who I am now. That is that. It is horrible. But anyway, eighth graders, for sure, I can see that kind of anxiety response coming from them. Totally makes sense. Your, excuse me, your hormones are raging. You're going through so much change. And it's just, I mean, all quite frankly, very shitty. Um, And then adults over 18, 40 million adults over 18 have anxiety. 40 million? Yeah. It's about 18% of the population, which is also wild. Look, I feel like that's, I think 18%, I don't think sounds like that much. But it almost, it's huge. But then when you put 40 million human beings. Yeah. Waking up every morning, hyperventilating just like us. Isn't that wild? I I would expect 18%. I would expect the percentage to be higher, honestly. I would too. I talked to one of my friends who listens. Hi, Courtney. And (laughs) she responded to me about a comment that we made in our last episode where it was like, the people that you see that are have it all together and don't seem to have anxiety. She was like, do those people exist? And I was like, look, I don't know, but we're going to find them. But 18%, I mean, that do. means that there's such a huge percentage that are not feeling anxious every day. Well, here's the kicker. Because only 36.9% of those get treatment. So 
to me, how many other people are out there that actually do have anxiety, but just aren't seeking just treatment, aren't seeking treatment aren't... or don't think. So wait, it's only 36% of the 18% of the 40 million people, 36% of the 40 million people are seeking treatment. Yeah. Look, I kind of believe that. I believe that. It took me a very long time to seek treatment, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. It, it, I believe that. Yeah. Um, well, people because... with OCD have a very hard time admitting that there could ever be a real thing wrong, even though I am positive that I knew from youth that there was something wrong. <laughs> but I really, I, I did not seek treatment until more or less recently in the past let's say five years is when well, I first... And, I mean, if we're going to go down this road, it's not cheap. You know, you have to have good insurance, quite frankly, um, for it to be cheap. And even then there's no guarantee. I mean, I got lucky where my insurance covers like 98% of my my therapist. So right. I pay 10 to $20 for my therapist. And so I would like insane. to make a public service announcement for those people in the consortium for teachers. If you're a teacher and you teach in my state, we have really, really good health insurance. If you're not seeing a therapist, you need to go see one because it is free with our insurance. Please, 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 please. See, and, and that's the thing. You have to have insurance. You may not know that you're having any anxiety or feelings towards it at all, but actually the teachers that I know right now they're pretty well aware that there's a problem with teaching. But we'll talk about that in a different episode. But so um, I, I think that's also why there's such a small, relatively speaking, small number of the 40 million. Right, because, because it's expensive. A lot of, well, expensive, but also a lot of people are like, there's nothing wrong with me. Why would I go to therapy? Right. And then you go to therapy and you go, oh. Right, 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 oh. right. <laughs> Even if we just talk about therapy in general, I have maybe on one hand counted the amount of times that I've had a quote breakthrough during therapy. That's not really what therapy is for me. Therapy for me a lot of the time is just venting. I mean, almost the same way that I would to a friend, but I know that I'm venting to somebody that would tell me if there was a real deep-seated problem with what I was saying or not that Elena wouldn't because let me tell you what, wonderful listener and always is ready to tell me the harsh truths and vice versa, I think. But she's nodding. Accurate. Uh, she's nodding violently right now. <laughs> but I would say even that is helpful. Even that amount of therapy, even just to vent, even if you don't think anything is wrong, it might feel good just to be able to say what's wrong that with that day, because there's always something wrong with that day. Not necessarily with you, but maybe with that day, just to have somebody listen who is not biased, who can say like, yeah, that is pretty screwed up. I mean, my therapist is the one is the one that essentially looked me in the eyes and said, do you have ADHD? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I've never diagnosed, but I'm sure that I do, to be quite honest. And she said, yeah, we're, we're going to give you a psychiatrist. I mean, so I went common. to a psychiatrist. ADHD is well, common. It's, it's so, yeah. not even that. It's, <laughs> it, it shows differently in women, in yes. girls and women than it does in boys and men. I mean, looking through the ADHD symptoms, it's like talks too much, doodles, doesn't pay attention. And it's just like, Elena, 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 Elena. Oh, I have high school? <laughs> well, I have a book. I was, oh God, I think it was in elementary school. And it's like, what's one thing that you get in trouble for at home? And I put talking. Like, I can't stop talking. And that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> that's why we're here. Um, and that's also why Jeff wants to throw me to the Grand Canyon, because I ask too many questions. But you have to be straight with that, because otherwise... Right. I'm going to go on. I've and actually on and always on and noticed on. when I ask you a question, I'm very specific. 
a lot yeah. of the time. If I want a specific answer, I will ask you a specific question because I know that that's what you want. It's like it's the part of it's craving structure. It's and I think that that's another anxiety thing that I think so natural because I mean I, honestly that's why we have compulsory school. I think it's it's structure and anybody can tell you like ooh I hated school but at the time you needed structure. Sorry to tell you but craving structure and craving that like very explicit questioning is something that I've always seen in you and. And Scott, actually. I there must be a thing. He has ADHD as well. Sorry to put you on blast, Scott. And but. I <laughs> I ran I ramble. And I know I ramble. And I mean, you know this. Having a conversation with me, we start at point A, which is the whole point of the conversation. Right, right. And then we go to D and then we go to F and then we go back to A and then we go to Z and then we go to A. I mean it's And then we go back to B and then we're like, Oh, we're on the right track, we're fine. Yeah. And then we're back at Z and forty five minutes mess. later yeah. I look at you like, What the hell was like why what was the point of the story? That's also kind of the co occurrence thing that that was going to happen. So you have ADHD and anxiety. Um, substance abuse anxiety, which totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, eating disorder. So some of them I looked and I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. You have body dysmorphia, eating disorders, ADHD, um, bipolar. And it's just so this, like this all can come thing. with anxiety. With anxiety or, it can or come be a first. byproduct of. Okay. Um, so the byproduct of is generally if you have something with your thyroid, heart disease, a side effect of meds, IBS, oh, um, respiratory disorders. <laughs> so it's if you have depression, you almost always have anxiety sort of thing. Yes. Um, or vice versa. So, you know, you have anxiety and body dysmorphia, but you might have a thyroid problem and have anxiety as a byproduct of, of that thyroid thy- disorder. Okay. So I, it's interesting because I have IBS, which is a nice public, <laughs> public PSA. admittance of uh, a really unfortunate situation. But, or at least I have what the doctors can identify as IBS. I sh- we'll get more into chronic pain later. My stomach problems that I have can give me so much more anxiety than anything mm-hmm. else. Because if you listen to the beginning, I have a phobia that has to do with stomach problems. So the second my stomach starts hurting, my brain runs away. It is, it is yeah. like, I could power... A complete motor vehicle with my anxiety when my stomach starts to hurt. <laughs> as long as it has a clear windshield, we're good. As long as it has a clear windshield, we're back. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. But yeah, so that is, yeah. I can understand the co-occurrence. I don't know what comes first, though. It's that chicken and the egg situation. Where, and I think that's what it is. Yeah, because I want to <clears> say that my, my stomach comes first, I want to say, with the anxiety. My stomach starts and then my anxiety starts flying and then it makes my stomach worse. That's usually how it starts, but there are moments, which we'll talk about, where I have just had plain old anxiety without the stomach at all. (laughs) the thing. It's just, in my, as you're talking, I'm like, well, I'm just anxious all the time. Right. So, (laughs) and I've, you know, I found myself recently kind of becoming more calm. um, And I think that's truly just because therapy and I'm kind of unlearning a lot of the things that made me anxious right and medication honest Uh, honest to god i mean it took me seven years to find a good therapist um which i mean sometimes you get the right one right off the bat sometimes you got to work through them which is also kind of difficult after the first couple you want to give up um i've gone this is my fourth and she's wonderful she's helped me a lot with a lot of things it's a long story but 
my first therapist is Elena's therapist now, and Mm -hmm. I did not have a good experience with her. That shows that sometimes you can't... It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Exactly, which is what we're going to talk about with this all together today, is that this is not one-size-fits-all, and it is a little bit disconcerting when you think about it that way because you're like I just want a way to feel better but it's also really nice to know you are not alone in the idea that you have to find something that works and everybody around us is trying to find things that work which we'll we will talk about and I think that goes back to the only what 35 percent getting treatment right that same thing you know I've tried all of these therapists, nothing is working. The anxiety meds don't work, which I've had four anxiety meds, five anxiety meds before I found the one that worked for me. I've had and two it's therapists. Just, it's just this almost like a just like a revolving door of things shit. to try. Yes. <laughs> you know, therapists. Try, which is why we're doing this podcast. They it's give you medication try. and they give you all these techniques and you're kind of overwhelmed when you first started. You right. I to, feel anxiety about like, the anxiety techniques. <laughs> yeah. You have to like pick through what works for you. We'll get into this later, I think, but it's, you, you got to find something that works for you when you're not anxious so that you can put it in your toolbox and use it when you are anxious. Because when you're oh trying to find a method... Using therapy talk, some toolboxes. That was literally from my therapist's mouth. Yep, um, mine too. <laughs> so, you know, if you are trying to figure out something that's going to work for your anxiety while you're in the midst of your anxiety, that's not going to do it's, diddly for yeah, you. You're just going to run through that revolving door. Right. Like when you are drowning and you're like, oh, I should have had a flotation device. Oh, but you're already drowning. What do yeah. you suppose? You can't go back up now. So back. you just got to fight the tide and make it happen. And next time have a flotation device. Yeah, that is. I mean, that's where we are. I was listening to the Office Ladies podcast mm-hmm. and Jenna Fisher said she was talking about her anxiety and she used the backpack metaphor, which I think I've used before when I've talked to you about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have this backpack and it is permanently on my back, always, forever. Some days it's lighter and some days I'm walking around with my backpack. I don't even notice that my backpack's on. And other days my backpack is so heavy, I can barely move. I can hardly pick it up. I can't keep going sometimes. And other times it's just kind of in the middle where it's a little bit hard, but I can keep moving. And the problem is I can't take the backpack off. And that is my anxiety. And that was what she said. That was her anxiety. And I was like, that is the best metaphor for how I felt my whole life. I just can't take the backpack off. I would love to. I would love to just relax. Just calm down, like everybody says. Okay, so we have some research on ways to help, which we'll get into after our personal stories. Uh, My first major panic attack, which I like to call baby's first panic attack. (laughs) Um, And this is... Not related to my everyday general anxiety. Like, for instance, I cried every single day from kindergarten through fifth grade going to school. It is not lost on me as to how in the world I became a teacher. Believe me, I don't know either. But this happened when I was turning 10 years old. I was still nine when this was happening. And every day up until my birthday, all the people around me would be making a really big deal. They were like, oh my gosh, double digits. You're about to be so old, double digits. Can you believe it? Oh my goodness, you're going to join us all in our double digits. And right before this happened, and this really isn't my story to tell. Um, At one point in my life, right before this, I had a really traumatic uh, death happen in my youth. 
it was too too early in life to realize that death was so close and so volatile, I think. Um, well, to grasp that concept. Yeah. After this traumatic death happened, um, I started realizing that um, life was fleeting. And I know that that's uh, really early to have those feelings when I was eight or nine years old. And so everybody kept saying, oh, yeah, you're going to be in double digits, all this stuff. And I remember... I went into the bathtub, okay, I went into my bathroom, I locked the door, I went into the bathtub, I ran the water, and I sat in that bathtub, and I hyperventilated so badly because I was so afraid. It was the night before my birthday. Mm -hmm. I was so deeply afraid of turning 10. I was so scared of going into my double digits. So if that doesn't tell you that panic was in my blood from day one, I don't know what does, but it was something that we say to kids all the time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to be double digits. Look at you, the big one big 10 years old. You're going to be a decade old. And little did anybody know who was around me. Obviously, nobody knew this, but it was really affecting me. And I know it's so st- it's a stupid story, but it also brings to light how many things we say to children that we don't know will color their existence. So that was my first major story. But my next real life, I was aware that I had anxiety already, but I had a real life panic attack um, in something that really could uh, affect my life. I was in the middle of a final in college, my first semester. I was in my math class, which I had a little bit of a traumatic experience during probably two weeks before that. I got a phone call from my best friend, Elena, and she got into a car accident and I had to go pick her up because her whole family like wasn't available. And she called me in the middle of that and I had to like leave the class. And I don't know if this had anything to do with my final, probably just being in that room again. Probably. It's so stupid, but I was in there. I was taking my final and the strangest thing happened to me. And please... Please know that if this has ever happened to you, I now understand. But I was taking the test and I'm looking down at the problem and literally in my brain, I, you know how like you can hear yourself saying things in Mm -hmm. your brain when you're reading. Okay. My mind voice was screaming, like screaming the numbers that I was reading in my brain, I know that it sounds so insane. No, it, it doesn't actually in the but scheme of things. Like straight up, I was like, oh no, this is bad. This is not like it happen. had it hit me so hard and I was like, oh no, 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 no. Please do not. Not right now. I'm in the middle of this final. And I have absolutely <laughs> I have absolutely no idea how I made it through the final. I really thought this was it, this was the end. My brain was going to leak out through my eyeballs and it was done. It was Eyes gone. Ears. Yeah, I was, I thought I got, have to do this. I have to do this. So as my brain mind, my, my brain mind, my mind voice was screaming. <laughs> keeping my that brain in. Mind was We're keeping screaming. it in. My brain mind was screaming at me. And I just continued with my final. I did pass the class. Thank you. If those were wondering out there. After that, I had a total like mental breakdown. It was so bad. I had put so much pressure on myself my first semester of college. I had gone through a breakup right at the very beginning of it because, you know, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we decide that was the moment to ruin Mary? It was so bad. It was really bad. 
That's my anxiety story. My little panic, my baby's first panic attack. And of course, my college, my college explosion of my brain. Those are not even the worst ones probably that I have, but they're the ones that stick out in my memory most. The most memorable. Yes. So Elena, would you like to share your most memorable panic attack? (laughs) Yeah. As you're speaking and as we, you know, we're talking about this before we started recording, my parents used to work a lot. Um... My dad worked, he left before I got up to go to school. So he left at like six and he got home between six and seven. So he was gone for like 12 hours a day. Crazy hard worker. Yes. And my mom was working in a hospital setting at the time. Mm. So she was kind of doing the same thing. Not at the school. Right. Okay. She didn't start the school. She didn't start the school until I was 10. Wow. So they put me in an after school program. Let me preface this by saying after school, family and friends would take me home or, you know, pick me up and, you know, do whatever. My grandmother on both sides did it very frequently. Mm. Um, Mom and I were very close. I would watch... Mom is her grandmother Mom is my grandma, my maternal mother, um, my maternal grandmother. She would make me lunch and then we would watch... Her soaps? Yeah. Would you watch her programs? Oh, God, what was it? Was it like Young and the Restless? No. General Hospital. General Hospital. <gasps> Get out. And I knew, like, I would go home and talk to my mom and be like, this character's doing this and this character. I was eight. And I'm you like, business. I was all about General Hospital. If um, that hasn't colored your entire existence, I don't know what does. <laughs> and then we would like dance. But <laughs> I think they were just tired of asking relatives to pick me up. And they put me in an after-school program, and I hated it. I didn't want to do it because I was away from my parents, and I was tired of being away from my parents, and I have very serious attachment issues. What was your sister doing at this time? Was she in it as well? She's six years older than me, so she was doing, like, a sport or something. Oh, okay. So she wasn't, like, there to watch you or anything or get you. No, she and she was too young. Right. I mean, if I was six, she was 12. But she was living They're her best not, life, and you were yeah, you were sent to this program. Like, losing my mind. So my parents had made me a necklace. Do you remember back in, like, the early 90s, those little dolls that had birthstones in the center of them, and their arms were, like, loose? Um, act like I don't have one with my birthstone in it. Perfect. Hello. So my mom got me a necklace. With, I will be wearing it very <laughs> my soon. My mom got me a necklace with my mom, my dad, my sister, and I. Aww. So we'd be, like, a family, so I wouldn't be anxious, and I wouldn't, like, miss them, um, and I could wear it around my neck. Fun fact, it didn't work, and I... <laughs> Been there. Did not work, and I remember, I don't remember anything else, but I remember standing in the cafeteria and looking around and looking at whoever was in charge, and I just burst into tears. Oh. And... Baby's birthday He's anxiety. like... She comes over, and she goes, are you okay? And I go, no, I miss my family. I-, I need to go home. And my dad worked in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He worked on... Oh, God, he worked in, like, Dormont. Oh, my gosh. It's not like he was close by any means. My mom had to work late that day, which is why they put me in this after-school program. And that's, like, 40 minutes away for anybody who might be listening outside Pittsburgh. So it's 35 without, like, 30, 35 without traffic. But there was traffic during, yeah. 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It would take, that's why you get home so late. He had to send traffic for, like, over an hour. So I'm I'm just sobbing. And my dad came and got me, um, and I was never put in that after-school program. And they started asking friends and relatives again, but I, I couldn't yeah. do it. I couldn't be away from them. And the necklace didn't help. I don't know why. Well, that. It was a great idea, yeah. but it didn't help. Well, that will bring up, that'll because that's one of the ways that my therapist was like, oh, okay, you do have OCD. And I was like, oh, because my mother 
when I was younger, I had horrible attachment issues as well. It must be a youngest thing, I think. Oh, probably. And also, you know, the mentally ill, like ourselves. I was so anxious about school and I miss my mother so much. And anybody who went to grade school with me obviously knows this. I have, I still have people every single time I see them, like after years, they're like, do you still cry every day going to school? And I'm like, yes, I do do. actually. Thanks. Yeah. I'm a teacher. So yes, of course I do anyway. So, but I had a picture of my mother. She would give me a picture of her to, to like hold onto. And it's very similar to the necklace thing. Like I had to carry around this picture with me everywhere that I went and it did not work still. No, it didn't help. I was still very upset. Great idea. Again. Yeah. Great idea. Good methods didn't work for my anxiety. No. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry. Nice execution. Yes. <laughs> so my most recent one was Saturday night. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, oh, yes. <clears throat> so Jeff and I are playing Mario Kart. Right. We're doing our thing. What day was this? Saturday. Saturday. Okay. I couldn't right? remember if it was Friday or Saturday. No, it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Because I was having a heart attack as well. I <laughs> don't know what happened. We had a great day. Yeah. Like, great night. We went out to dinner. We did all these things. And I'm sitting there, and my head starts to itch. I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I scratch my head. And it gets to the point that I am so overwhelmed <laughs> with playing Mario Kart and being terrible. And my body just starts itching. My head starts itching. My body starts itching. I can't get it to stop. And she does not currently have lice. And if anybody was no, <laughs> it's just, I, I was like, my, I looked at Jeff and I was like, my head's itchy. And he was like, oh, what is wrong with you? I said, I don't know. Like, my head is so itchy. I can't get it to stop. I said, I was going to have a full-blown anxiety It was like your whole body, right? About you were being, saying. Yeah, everything. Yeah. About being too itchy. I looked at him and I was like, I have to shower. And I threw, We. it was a... Uh, a switch and I threw the little remote across the, the room. I threw my phone. I threw my watch. I ran up the stairs, um, turned on the shower and got in the shower. And it was, I was like, I, I just, I have to do this. And he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. This is the first right. time that anything like this has ever happened. And as I scratch my head um, <laughs> and he calls up to me, what can I do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I jumped in the shower. <laughs> and he came up later, and I was like, I need you to just lotion my back. Yeah. Um, like, we have this, this dry stress-relieving lotion. Yes. Like, just lotion my back. And I'm sitting there sobbing, and he's like, what is wrong? I don't know. I, I don't know. And he lotions my back, and I'm like, all right, we're good. And we go back down and just finish playing. But it was the <laughs> strangest thing in the world, because in a matter of 10 minutes, yeah. I'm like, wow, my head's really itchy. Oh, my God, I okay, my body's really itchy, it won't stop, I don't know what to do, my head's really itchy, I can't do this, I'm, like, throwing things at him, Gwen's losing her damn mind, the dog, um, <laughs> she's losing her mind, she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm surprised she didn't chase me up the stairs, but Look, I think she also was like, mom's crazy right now, I'm gonna, gonna give, give her a, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, it was awful. It was I've awful. had that kind of thing happen, and it very often happens just due to my stomach, though, like, I will start feeling just a little bit nauseated, Say so get a little car sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then my brain will be like off of the charts insane. Like I'll be like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to take And I'm like, yeah. and I have to take like my anti-anxiety meds that are for my panic attacks to like make it stop. It's a whole thing. It, it was it was so bizarre. And poor Jeff. It's like the first well, time yeah. that I've ever really had anything like that. I mean, I've, I've had panic and like anxiety attacks but they've been on such a smaller scale that I'm able to kind of 
get myself together before it gets to the point that I'm throwing things at him and running into the shower. But he, he just, <laughs> I like glanced back as I was running up the stairs and he had this like blank stare on his face. Just shock, like, shock and awe. Oh, uh, I was like, oh, just shower. Um, so I'm sorry, dear. Uh, <laughs> didn't mean to freak you out, but it was, it was awful. I mean, I've had some bad ones that in front of Scott, I've had some really bad ones. We don't need to talk about those because uh, he's well aware of my craziness. I I had them before we got married, which I thought was very important so mm-hmm. that he could see, like, look, this is what you have signed up for for the rest of your life. Are you cool with that? And God bless the man. He is cool with it, evidently. Uh, what I think is so funny, and hopefully he doesn't mind that I'm sharing this, but what I think is so funny is that one day he had anxiety about something and he, like, never has it. Like, his family calls Xanax Scott Pills. Like, they're the pills that make them more relaxed, like Scott always is. So, Scott was laying in bed, and he had the bedding, like, up to his chin. And I was like, are you okay? Like, oh, my God, what is going on? He goes, looks at me so seriously. And you know how he gets that look Mm -hmm. on his face. He's like, how do you live like this? (laughs) So upset because he is now feeling even remote, like even the tiniest bit of how I feel every single day. And he's like, I don't understand. And he sees it and he gets that I am this way, but he doesn't know how it feels until he had that little moment of anxiety. He had no idea how it felt. And he was like, okay, yeah, that it's the worst thing in the whole world. I'm so sorry. It's like seeing and understanding. Like, yes, nice is different than good. Seeing is different than understanding. Oh yeah. Experiencing is different than just understanding somebody. But what is nice is we are not alone. So we asked in our last episode if people could share with us via email their biggest or most memorable or their first big panic or anxiety attack and how they deal with anxiety. So we have some emails to read, which I never thought was possible because I thought only two people would listen to it, me and Elena. But we had just a real quick shout out to our listeners. Um, yes. We had 55 plays of our podcast, including our trailer and our most recent episode. And we have, I think it is 28 um, estimated audience. So for all 28 of you, Thanks, I, am, guys. I am so grateful. And, and obviously, I mean, Elena and I have been freaking out every time there's another person yeah. popping up on there. We're like, oh, my gosh, more people are listening. It's ah. happening. And it's a little. People like us. It's a little unnerving too because it's like people that we used to work with or hi Liza if you're listening and you know people that we were friends with for a long time and you know it's just cool to have people listen and comment on what we're doing and it's really awesome our first email about anxiety is from our listener Courtney hi Courtney Courtney and I um were co-maids of honor back in the day so you know I have been in um probably 20 weddings as a bridesmaid and I am um if anybody is looking to hire a bridesmaid I'm fantastic at it but um and as is Courtney so Courtney and I bonded over this maid and matron of honor time that we had and we became besties for the resties and she emailed and her topic says oh anxiety (laughs) buckle up So I'm going to go ahead and read her email. She said that I can share as much of it as I want so we can read away. Yeah. Hey, girls. Loved your first episode. Congrats on beginning a new adventure. 
I love the idea, and I'm a huge fan of podcasts, so you'll definitely have a loyal listener in me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm a storyteller, so this is probably going to be long, and you can share however much or little you would like. Just so we understand, she's a fabulous storyteller, and I have read a piece of a novel that she's worked on, and it is purely amazing, and I can't wait until she writes the rest of it. Courtney, go write. I'm Courtney, co-mo to Mary, co-maid of honor, uh, wife to Jay, 10 years married and 16 years together, mama to three cat fur babies, and worker of a bank, RIP to my two teaching degrees. (laughs) which I feel in my heart. I'm 35 years old, and I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. Oh, where to begin? I'm an oldest sister, three much younger brothers, so there's also a half-mother instinct when you're handed an infant to help raise when you're 10 and 13 years old. A perfectionist, obsessed Virgo, and a child of divorce, which I'm sure already paints quite an anxious picture. The abandonment issues of divorce and needing to be perfect, so the obsessively nitpicky parent I was left with would also leave me is ingrained in my very DNA. I also have a very aggressive, all-or-nothing perspective on myself, so if I'm not perfect, even 99% is a complete failure and puts me into an anxious spiral. Even though I'm very self-aware, the feelings are still there and very strong. Well, the relatable part of that, yes. As of spring 2019, I am medicated with antidepressants slash anti-anxiety meds. But you said that this is not about medication. (laughs) I will also have a great deal to contribute to your depression episodes if you would like. (laughs) On it. On it. My biggest tool to deal with my anxiety is lists. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm also mildly OCD, welcome, yes, and open them constantly and run over them obsessively. Constantly thinking of everything from different perspectives and creating the list helps me feel more in control. I even have TV shows I'm watching on the list so I can feel on top of every aspect of my life. They're very, very detailed, even with me working from home the last two years and not leaving the house very often. I will put unload dishwasher or put recycling in garage any and all little and major things and will usually break them down to smaller tasks if possible. Seeing the list makes me feel in control and being able to take anything off makes me feel a sense of accomplishment and that I'm not drowning as much as I feel that I am. Wow, that is incredibly powerful because yeah. I need to start doing that immediately. <laughs> I do it, but not to this extent. I, I need the list. I need I this. Well, the ADD, that's, that's hard. While I've had anxiety my whole life and have just accepted this as my reality, I am sure I have also had panic attacks. But the first I can truly pinpoint was spring 2019. I was incredibly overwhelmed and overworked at my job, not sleeping well because of anxiety. I battle insomnia and have since I was about 10. Hey, there's an insomnia episode coming. Um, I don't know if even Elena knows this, but I planned it specifically because of her. Um, And very active dreams. That's a whole other story. I can't remember what else was going on because my entire brain was taken up with the fact that one of my younger brothers was graduating college and officially being commissioned into the army after four years of ROTC. The moment I found out he was being stationed in Germany for three years, my heart rate spiked for over two weeks and the tiniest issue or inconvenience made me sob. While I am a big crier when it comes to books, TVs, or movies, I am not a big crier in real life because of the whole perfectionist can't show weakness thing I've got going on. I finally reached my breaking point and sobbed all over my husband on my lunch break, who hadn't really noticed I was doing so bad because I keep everything inside. He was so supportive the moment I said, I think it's time to call the doctor to talk about medication, and honestly, I think really relieved because he's watched me fight these demons our entire relationship. 
I've since become very aware of what my body does when it's a panic attack in the last two and a half years. And Lord knows there's been plenty of those with the state of, oh, I don't know, everything on planet Earth. (laughs) All you can do is the best you can every day and try to do better the next day and get up when you fall or fail. I definitely rambled a whole lot and probably overwhelmed you girls with lots of information. Feel free to ask for any additional information or clarification. Mary knows I am an open book. Anything to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health and help others. Good luck on your podcast journey, ladies. Courtney. Thanks. I love that, Courtney. Oh, my goodness. That was really wonderful and so incredibly relatable. And shout out for getting help. Yes, absolutely. Medication. Kudos for getting help. Kudos. So our second one is from our friend Casey (laughs) from high school. Casey, big shout out to you, brother, because this is probably gold. This this is gold. Gold. Casey sent a while ago, he sent me this voice memo talking about a time in his life when he had a little, a little breakdown. And I'm going to read his email about it rather than have his voice memo because the voice memo, while hilarious, was uh, more personalized to what we would find funny. And uh, this email is way more detailed. Uh, so, hey, Mary and Elena, here is the sitch. Please don't grade my English because I'll be typing this quickly. Casey, I would never. My life has been crazy busy, so I hope I'm not too late in sharing. So for as long as I can remember, I was always the person who didn't worry or really get anxious, which, by the way, is how Elena and I probably remember you from high school. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, not not an anxious guy, you know. Oh, chill. Chill. Chill, buddy. Um, I actually would joke about my brother always being the nervous and anxious person and how I applauded myself for just not caring. I just took life as it came and made jokes to get my way through whatever. But we all have moments in our life where your life was one way before and one way after. A line in the sand, so to speak. That moment came for me when I was about 17 years old. My family and I lost our house that we lived in since I was little. Parents were out constantly doing only God knows what, not working. But what we did know is that they weren't paying that mortgage. (laughs) The way he tells stories. (laughs) So one day, a judge was basically like, get all of your belongings out today because you can't live there anymore. We moved in with my grandma for weeks, and it was my brother, mom, dad, and dog all sleeping in her living room. We were dead poor with nothing and a half-working vehicle. From that moment, my anxiety over money became so real and changed me forever. I managed this emotion over money well up until I found out Mandy was pregnant with our first baby, Olivia, who, by the way, is probably the cutest child in the world. As soon as she told me, other than, of course, his newest baby. Correct. (laughs) As soon as she told me, it was like my body went into shock. I immediately started panicking over how we would pay for things, about losing our house, about not being able to afford things for her, no Christmas presents for her, etc. I was completely irrational, but the thoughts of my family being dead poor just came rushing back all at once. I was afraid I was going to be a failure for my new family I was starting. It was a scary time. I would just pace my house in circles because my mind was just so over the, all over the place. I couldn't work, eat, sleep, even communicate. It was very scary. I had to be hospitalized inpatient and to get on medicine to help with these emotions and overwhelming anxiety I was feeling. Right before I was hospitalized, this is the time I was in Rite Aid and had an impromptu church service in the parking lot. It all started with me crying hysterically inside of Rite Aid and this little girl coming up asking if everything was all right. I told her it was because I didn't want to scare this poor girl any more than I already was. 
As soon as I went outside, her mom stopped me and said that she always told her daughter to say something if she believes things aren't right and asked if I was okay. She then asked if she could pray with me. I said, bring that shit on because what else do I have to lose? So she sat there and prayed, talked to God, and just tried to make me feel better right in the middle of this parking lot. So my brother, who ended up making it there just in time for this to start, always jokes and asks about what time church service is starting on any given day in Rite Aid's parking lot. (laughs) Flash forward to now. I am on medicine and things are going great. We have great jobs and are doing well for ourselves and our kiddos. Some things that help me is by taking my medicine consistently. I can tell if I don't or I miss a couple days taking it, so I do my best to always stay on track. I plan out expenses and always make sure we are saving money for unexpected things. This is a great stress reducer for my anxiety. While we do have debt to pay off like the rest of the world, having a savings for me is critical to to keep my anxiety at a good place. It seems to help me out a lot. Humor is always a second for me. I have to make jokes and laugh about absolutely everything going on. Even if it's not funny or something to joke about, doesn't matter. I'm joking about it. It's just the way my brain is wired. And Casey, this is why we all got along in high school. Yep. (laughs) Deep breathing. When you feel yourself getting worked up, five to ten solid deep breaths can help so much. Music, music, music always helps me as well. Lastly, I would just say that I try to have an appreciation for more when I get all bent out of shape about a particular situation. I try to go over the things that I'm grateful for that others might not have. A house, food in our bellies, amazing wife, and healthy kiddos. I really boil it down to the basics that I have and am thankful for when I get all crazy. (laughs) Hope this helps. Hope you guys kill it on your podcast. Let me know if you need anything else. Ya boy, Casey. Okay, so my final little message that I got was on Facebook, actually. I posted a little bit of a poll kind of asking what people do for their anxiety. And I had somebody personal message me about their anxiety and how they've dealt with it. So, and we had a little conversation that I'm going to talk about. So saw your post about anxiety. I have horrible anxiety and my worrying has reached new heights. Quote, herbal medicine, Mm. wink, wink, has saved my (laughs) life. (laughs) I mean, I still worry and get anxious, but it really helps a lot. Reading, walking, etc. Also, I see that decluttering really helps. I have so much clutter in my mind, I can't afford to have it all around me. Being creative, writing, talking to people that get it, trying to talk to someone that doesn't have anxiety is like talking to a wall. You either get it or you don't. I also have PTSD and flashbacks, so that's a fun twist. Also, having her son is a great distraction from her mental state. Witnessing pure joy and innocence reminds you that you were once that way, which means you are capable. And then I asked kind of what was the big moment that they realized that they had anxiety. So she said, that's a complicated question. (laughs) I'll try to answer the best I can. I had brain surgery when I was eight, which, oh my goodness. Obviously, the focus was saving my life. But after that, I had no therapy for the trauma. I was always a kid that worried, and I think that just catapulted it. Then I had a bit of a break through middle school and high school, except for the normal teen angst hormonal shit. My early 20s were good, too. Then my late 20s, I noticed it a little. When I was about 31 or 32, I had endometriosis but didn't know and was sick for two years. Every test under the sun, digestive issues, the works. And when I started to go from doctor to specialist to ER to Cleveland Clinic, it was like it rewired my brain. They all kept asking, are you stressed? Are you anxious? It made me feel like a mental patient. I started to question myself. Ever since, I have had horrible anxiety. Then there was a horrible tragedy in 2019 with my dogs, and then 2020 lost a baby. 
So the anxiety and worry just keeps on chugging. Um, So another way of coping. So she said, I also use music to cope, and I recently got two anxiety stuffed animals. They're called warmies. So yes, I'm 38 years old and sleeping with a teddy bear. Taking a drive helps too. I'll get a Starbucks and take a joy ride. Wearing makeup and clothes that make me feel good helps. And of course, retail therapy. I also love TV, so that helps. Oh, and lots of baths, which uh, we talked a little bit about, and that is literally exactly how I feel. Just in general, these are the things that people have shared with me about their anxiety and how they've dealt with it. But we also have um, the poll that we took on Facebook, which um, Elena did not look at. I had her not look at it, so it would be a surprise of things to help with. So I put doing some research question, what do you do to help with anxiety? Especially during these times, I feel like more and more people have been popping up with major anxious feelings. Tell me the ways you get your head back above water. So the first thing, which I thought was hilarious because you just got a switch. I play a lot of Animal Crossing on my Switch or watch a movie or TV show under my weighted blanket, which I know that you have one as well, I Anna. do. Um, but Animal Crossing, apparently, because I was like, whoa, games give me anxiety. Like, playing Mario Kart gives me anxiety every time. So that does not surprise me that you had a panic attack during Mario Kart. Well, one I of can't. us is super competitive and the other is not. And I, I wonder who we could I wonder who is who. who that um... And so there's some smack talking, and then somebody is sad, and you know it's a whole thing. Right. Couldn't imagine who no. those people are. Nope. Um, so she said it's the only game that doesn't make her more anxious. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then taking a hot bath with Epsom salts. I had somebody say doing something creative but isn't that difficult, like puzzles or coloring or painting, definitely with a podcast or music playing, yeah. also because the silence makes them more anxious. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I had a girl that I went to college with. As a licensed counselor, it isn't a one-size-fits-all treatment, so finding where the anxiety is coming from is the start, which we talked about is mm-hmm. this is the whole reason why we're doing this because yeah. it's not one-size-fits-all. However, one of my favorite things to work on is externalizing those negative thoughts and feelings and really addressing the fact that they are lying to you, those thoughts and feelings, which is interesting because that is something that I used to say to myself, like, it's a lie. It's not That true. anxiety is not true. This is, this is a complete lie, especially yeah. when I have social anxiety, like, even right now when I'm like, oh, my gosh, who's going to listen to this podcast? Why would they want to listen to me? I am so boring. And I have this horrible, like, this yeah. is a lie. It's okay. People have messaged us and said that this is interesting to them. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Even if it reaches two people, it's all okay. We're good. But right. it is one of those things to realize that it is lying to you. Our old teacher, our old high school teacher in the homeroom that we met in commented and said, yoga. Which is so funny because that is the thing that kind of started all of this was like, well, we're going to try yoga as much as we can. We're going to try it and we're going to see if it helps our anxiety. And that was what she says. Yoga, it may seem like common sense, but deep breathing. A little glass of wine at times, which uh, we have partaken in as well. And reminding myself that I can't fix everything. And what I do is enough. And this is specifically about me being a teacher as well. As teachers, we have a huge responsibility, but parents, administration, the public, all at times make us feel inadequate, which makes me want to cry because it is true. Yeah. Um, don't internalize that. The system is broken. We have to take time for ourselves, and we have to appreciate all we do. It's like being a parent to all those kids. The job is never done. Talk therapy has also helped me in the past. Tried meds, too, for a while, uh, but they aren't long-range answer for me. So they help some people. That's a good thing, and that's yeah. something that maybe didn't work for her in the long run. But talk therapy, et cetera, yoga, all good things. Yeah. Um, and then I had somebody who we were friends with from high school write on there that um, they work out 
not just exercise, but a good workout. Make it hard and make it stressful. Borderline questioning my sanity forever trying to finish it. Uh, That's the only way I can distract myself or get my head in a good place to calm down. And he said it's giving stress that you can take control of, which is interesting. I am not. Exercise to me has never been um, a calling. Elena is, like, amazing at keeping an exercise (laughs) schedule. She exercises all the time. She, like, believes in moving her body for health and wellness. And I am, like, my body is one of a slug. I will lay down and that helps me most. <laughs> oh, I've been laying down a lot lately. But yeah, I mean but, I, I I've I've partaken in the working out thing. I mean I did insanity like four times. Yeah. It, I and love it. insanity is insane. One time Elena invited me over and was like, hey, do you want to do insanity? And I was like, sure, because I thought I was fit. And I go over there and she like just keeps on going. I stopped after like the first burpee. I was like, no thank you. I'm good. <laughs> um my mother commented What do you think her answer was? Praying. Yep. She said, I pray. (laughs) And that is, I come from a very, very Catholic family. My mother prays more than anybody in the entire world. It's really, it's pretty amazing because she gives it up. She's like, nope, Mm -hmm. this is not up to me. And I really think that that's, and a lot of people commented that. Um, Another person commented yoga, but then said, the yoga where you really just focus on your breath. It really makes me stop and be present in my body. The simple yoga, not the crazy pretzel sweating one. And I was like, I can relate to this. A girl we went to high school with said, during the pandemic, we got into puzzles and adult coloring books, and it helped, as long as you aren't OCD about said coloring books, which I would be. So I adult coloring books give me a lot of stress if they are too small. I'm, I believe in the child coloring books. I believe in large spaces to color in, not teeny tiny little ones. We got into puzzles deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's yeah. my whole life is into puzzles, but... We also play video games with the kids, because she has kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I play their Switch a lot. Reading a good book or binge-watching helps, too. Gets your mind off it. I also found that watching a TV show that I've already seen, and that's, like, a proven thing, yeah. I think. So another person mm-hmm. said meditation, and I asked specifically, like, do you use an app? And they said Headspace is expensive, yeah. but it works It works really well. And if your work provides it for free, check into that. I've done that. It's wonderful. Um, I've used the free version of it, and I've, like been so so about it i have actually purchased guided meditation for ibs and for chronic pain i like a legit like i purchased a real life like ruth oh god i forget what her name is like napper stack or something like that i don't remember my therapist is the one that told me about it again shout out sarah and i bought it and i use it like you wouldn't believe like it's the it's one of those things but anyway so headspace um i had another person who's also a teacher work out and constantly remind myself to only worry about the things that i can control as teachers nothing's in our control so still regardless yeah it's everybody not everything's in control but yeah the amount of times that my therapist is like can you just focus on the things you could no i cannot (laughs) sorry i hear you again great execution right can't do it cannot carry that one through. <laughs> I cannot do it. Um, another person said essential oils because I do use essential oils. I have since I was 10 they years smell old. delicious? Yes. Yes. Well, I am, I like, well, with like my stomach, I will literally douse myself in peppermint oil. You've smelled me. Oh, I know. Freaking candy cane. I have accidentally had that peppermint yes. water. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I drank peppermint water and it is it is like a s- literal spicy water. And they just look like regular water. Yeah. And like water bottles all over the room. And I'm like, oh, I got to take this little leave or whatever. Yeah. And, and Elena will just, she has. <laughs> Surprise. This is pre-COVID, to it's, be fair. It's um, peppermint water. But if she needs a water, she'll just grab mine. And then it's like, oh, that was a mistake. Mistakes have been made. Our good friend Kate, hopefully she doesn't mind us calling her out. 
Kate. Um, <laughs> she said a bath, sometimes CBD, dog snuggles, of course. Kate, right on brand for you, girlfriend. Um, or going for a drive in either complete silence or music has to be blasting, no in between. <laughs> I have recently gotten into driving in complete silence. Yes. And because I used to be the let's music go blasting. for a drive and blast music, but when I would leave Jeff so early in the morning, oh, yeah. I'm like, absolutely not. And then halfway through, I would turn the music on. So like five minutes on the drive, right. I turn the music on. But I started driving the whole like 25, 30 minutes in complete silence, and it is beautiful. Sometimes. Beautiful. So I am no longer a blasting music person unless things have really gone into another. Yeah, um, and the music that. that I blast is show tune. Other than that, I've been this is so weird, and I do this in my classroom too. I um Ugh. I put classical music on. I have a list that's literally classical classroom, and I highly recommend to every single person feeling a certain type of way to listen to the Pride and Prejudice 2005 soundtrack. When you are feeling a type of way, I want you to listen to that music, and I want you to have a moment. It seriously has healed me in so many ways. A lot of the time I listen to that kind of stuff, or like The Holiday um, has a great soundtrack as well, and I listen to those things, and uh, it really helps me. But anyway, our old manager, because we worked at Bed Bath & Beyond together, guys, just so we didn't add that into our friendship thing, but you'll find these things out. We don't need to. And our old manager commented, lots of drugs. That's on brand. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Brand. That is wildly on brand. Anyway, another person said, I got my master's. I like to keep myself busy both physically and mentally. Oh, God. And look, that's, that's legitimately so how I deal with... I do, I, I'm <clears throat> telling you, that's how I deal with things, too. A lot of the time, I just pick up extra stuff to do, and then I get even angrier at myself. But yeah, when I got my master's degree, it was when I was going through breakup Mm -hmm. and then I got pneumonia during my master's Mm -hmm. um, during my accelerated master's program so it was going all the way through for a year and a half it sucked and I was so sick and like my last semester I bought my house Mm -hmm. and I was working on my house and I had just moved in the July before I graduated I graduated in December and I came home after my graduation and I googled doctorate programs Like, what's wrong with me? I did not start my doctorate, thank the Lord, but I looked at doctorate programs that night. Mm -mm. Like, your girl just can't quit. Anyway, um, so I thought that was super funny. I can quit. Uh, My cousin said, having some routine in my life, even if small, people to talk to, exercise, and prayer. So, like, all of the things that we've said, like, all at one time. And then people to talk to is a big one. I call Elena when I'm having, like, a full-blown panic attack. I can't count the times that I've called you crying where I'm like, I can't calm myself down. You need to like distract me. You need to talk to me. I've called my sister a million times. Shout out to my sister. I love you so much. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And of course my husband, oh my gosh, the other best thing that's ever happened to me. And I've called my mother so many times or my dad when I'm in complete distress and like freak out. Oh, Sandra, the calls that that woman has gotten for me. Right? Well, and I'm sure that I I know that I panic her. (laughs) I call her just an absolute mess. And I can hear it in her voice that she gets so nervous and so anxious about me. Right. And I'm like, well, this, it just transferred my anxiety. Thanks for taking it, San. And then I hang up the phone. I apologize to you right now for all of the phone calls that I've ever called you panicking and everyone that's going to follow this Mm -hmm. day. I'm going to apologize, preemptively apologize to you. Not a big deal. What works for you? In the throes of a panic attack, what works for me best. So I'm talking about like, there is no turning back. Mm -hmm. This is your moment. You have to figure out something. In the throes of a panic attack, if I am able... I have to laugh. 
Okay. So. That makes sense. I put, and you know that's how I've coped with everything in my whole life. If you have ever wondered, like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen Mary actually angry. It's because people think that my anger is funny. It's a facade. Because, because I do. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I do. I give off that, like, this is just a funny haha moment, everybody. Oh, yeah, Mary's going to lose her mind again. But really, I am. <laughs> so I watch bloopers. I Ooh. find blooper reels on YouTube. I prefer The Office. There is an Instagram of The Office bloopers that you can go through. I use podcasts. I really love my favorite murder. So I read if I can. Um, sometimes when I have too much anxiety, I can't even read. Yeah. And that's been happening to me a lot lately. So if you're feeling this right now... Um, if you're usually a reader and right now you're just like not able to get into it, you are not alone. Okay. Because that is definitely me. I take baths. I well, take a bath for you everything. take a bath for everything. It's literally, if I feel stressed, I take a bath. If I feel anxious, I take a bath. If I feel sick, I take a bath. If I feel angry, I take a bath. If I feel happy, I take a bath. I, there is no If you middle. drink too much, you take a bath. Okay. That was one time. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Something my sister does too. Thank you. Well, it is uh, hereditary, evidently. <laughs> but those are all the things that like I do. And then if I can't, so obviously that's in the throes of a panic attack. Mm-hmm. To help my panic, I am seeking the help of a psychiatrist as of right now. I am getting put on medication as of Monday, which my therapist was like, wait, you've never been on a daily medication before? And I was on one for my stomach. It was specifically for my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an antidepressant for my gut, which is very interesting. Super strange. But, yeah, so I've never been on a general everyday medication. Welcome. um, Yeah, I do take Xanax. Doing that almost preemptively when I know that I'm going to have a stressful or panicking day. Um, Instead of taking it reactively, I've taken it proactively, and that's been really helpful for me. I was going to say, that that has to be better. Yeah, I am getting on medication, and... The other ways that I kind of push it to the side a lot of the time, deep breathing. Yeah. Going to yoga, talking to you and my other friends about it. It really does help. Remembering that I am fully capable of my job. Mm-hmm. That's I get a lot of my anxiety from my job. And being a well, teacher sure. is kind of just that is what's going to happen because you're standing in front of eighth graders all day who are, are judging you. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of pressure do a lot of self-talk. I do pray about things and I don't, maybe I don't pray in the same way that other people do, or maybe that my mom does. I don't pray in the same way that my mother does. Probably I'm not the same kind of, not the same kind of religious. I don't think as she's like, she's so practiced. She's so, it's like, it's like somebody who like heavy lifts, like they just do it and they make it look easy. My mother makes it look easy. Very often though, I have like days where, and we'll talk more about this for depression, but I have days where I just can't get out of bed so and then I have to say to myself like this is okay I have to convince myself all day that I am still worthy of being a human being even though I haven't done anything which that is exactly how this past weekend has been for me I literally laid in bed all day (laughs) so I was on some article looking at things that people have heard from the therapist it was like the best advice and one of them was if you're having a bad mental health day treat it like you're sick stay in bed drink soup eat soup however you you can take your soup Um, (laughs) like tea just Stay in bed and, you know, your body, in my mind, if you're that, if you're feeling that anxious and you're feeling that overwhelmed and you're feeling just all of the things, you probably are all those things. So give yourself a break. Your body is literally screaming for help (laughs) and for a break and for just a minute to not do anything. Yes. Um, And I think that, and I think that's so helpful. I do. I need routine. 
I find that it's really hard when I don't have it. So on the weekends, um, during breaks and summer is really hard for me. So I have to make my own routine. And during that time, I like to take walks. And I know you know this. So I'm like a total weirdo. I will go on walks for hours. I'll go and I will walk the same exact area every day. And I, it's so weird. And I know that my neighbors think that I am insane. Um, and I'm cool with that. And I listen to podcasts or audiobooks or whatever during that time. And I just zone out the whole time. And it is really helpful. I don't, you know, I don't even take walks with people usually. I, you I know, like, like sometimes I'll call, people. sometimes I'll call somebody and like do my little catching up while I'm calling. But I usually am just very like focused on like getting yeah. just my body moving. And I have a hard time doing that during the school year. So, yeah, I mean, my mom walks. So I walk. Yeah. Um, and she and I will walk, but I've started to really enjoy walking by myself. Yeah. Um, Nobody has to judge you. It can be as long or as short as you want it to be. You're not basing it off of anybody else. You're just, you're just going. Not that I mind taking walks with people. No. Because I take walks with my neighbor and I love that. We do check in with each other and I, I do, I take a walk with her and maybe I'll take a second walk that week by myself or whatever. Yeah. I mean, generally if my mom and I are going to walk, that walk is usually a time that we can talk about things that are happening during the day instead of things that I forgot that I had to tell her during the week or because I didn't tell her like the day before. I'm like, hey, I forgot to tell you this thing. It's a check-in. Even though I called you 15 times yesterday. That's how my mom and I check in. Yeah. And that's Um, how I feel like yoga has been for both of us. Yeah. It's like our ability to check in once a week with ourselves and with each other. And I think that that makes it that much better. Well, it's, it's kind of grounding. Yes. So... One of the things I do is the five four three two one method. Yes, tell me what you do. Um, which I learned while I was like in the midst of having another really terrible depressive episode. Um, my therapist was like, "You need to ground yourself." So five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two you can smell, one you can taste. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be actually something that you're like tasting or seeing or hearing. But so for the last two, sometimes you're not you know, smelling anything or tasting anything. So your favorite scent or your favorite thing to eat. Mm -hmm. It actually has stopped a lot of the anxiety attacks that I would have when I feel myself like (laughs) kind of building up and, you know, it's happening. I've done the five, four, three, two, one when I was in the shower on Friday night, like freaking out about how itchy I was. I am medicated. I take a I take Zoloft and I take Wellbutrin. Some of that is to kind of offset the other side effects Mm -hmm. of both of those. I also... When I would get anxious, I would tap my fingers together. Yeah. Um, Do you know that that's one of your method, one of the methods? And I didn't realize until solution. I was looking up that it's it's tapping. It's just a different. There's a fabulous app. It's called the Tapping Solution. There's there's supposed to be like you Specific tap on like meridians, so like your forehead, your chin, your shoulders, above your, your chest, yeah, yeah, and above your lip. And I saw that somewhere on Jane the Virgin. Yeah. I saw like the yeah. tapping thing, and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I was like looking into it. And I, it was one of those aha moments where it's something that I conditioned myself to do Yeah, is tap my fingers. I did it a lot while I was buying my house and mm. my mom has called me out for it. Like you're tapping what's wrong. You well, do do I'm that a lot. Buying but a house, funny, but yeah. I do it. And it's, it's something that, I mean, I've been doing it for half of this podcast, just sitting here well, tapping my hands. Also when you can't it's remember just, something or you're trying to remember something, I notice that you do that when you're trying to remember. It's like, calming. I had to say a thing. <laughs> it's, it calms me yeah. so that I can think straight because I'm never thinking straight. But Same. I mean, mm-hmm. medication has helped significantly. I remember when I first started taking the Wellbutrin, I was just starting to date 
Jeff and I started taking it for a couple of days and he popped in and he was like, I just want to say this is the most level that you have been in our entire relationship, which anyway, I think we'd been together for like six months, but that's, I mean, it was like three days in Mm -hmm. and it was one of those aha moments of like, you're never going to live a life without antidepressants, anti-anxiety, which is perfectly fine. Right. But it was at that moment and I didn't realize how bad I was until somebody that doesn't really know me that well. Right. Popped his head out and was like, hey, you're doing really well. <laughs> and then I recently started Zoloft again. <laughs> Let's list all the medications. I have Ativan um, for when I'm feeling just too much and my anti-anxiety doesn't work. I have Zoloft and Wellbutrin, which I take daily. I have a sleeping med that I take very sparingly because while it does make me sleep, it also makes me incredibly groggy the next yeah. day. Well, instead of medication for me, um, with my talk therapy, I was also doing EMDR. Yeah. Therapy, um, the eye movement, something, something. I don't know. I've done that. Every once in a while, I do that with my therapist. And it's also has to do with tapping or Mm -hmm. with um, the vibrating, like the the, like handles that you're like hold. And it like goes back and forth between each hand. And it is when you're having like a feeling about something, really negative feeling, you picture it in your body and where you feel that feeling in Mm -hmm. your body so very often of course I'm feeling things in my stomach or in like my chest and my neck yeah so when she's like okay imagine that feeling and then imagine like what color is that feeling and I'm like red Mm -hmm. it's red like I don't know why it just is and then she's like what color do you associate with peace and I'll be like light blue like you know the Gatorade Mm -hmm. the light blue Gatorade that's what I associate with peace I don't know why (laughs) She says, like, now close your eyes and, like, while you're doing this, imagine that, like, washing Mm -hmm. over that part of you so that you feel better. And that's something that people can try if you're feeling anxious. See where it is in your body and picture what you would feel peaceful coming over that feeling. Things to not do. So... Um, other methods. I don't know if you had any other methods that you wanted to share. No, I mean, my my big ones are the 54321 tapping, and I watched the same... TV show. Yes. Over and over. Friends and, is well, yours. So I've actually gone from Friends to Jane the Virgin, but oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I watch Friends to Fall Asleep. I watch Jane the Virgin during the day to like calm myself down. Yes. Mine um, is The Office, Gilmore Girls. Um, I find those two. And How I Met Your Mother also is a calming one because it's a Bob's very Burgers. good ba- a background. Yes. Top notch. Great ba- background noise that yeah. you don't have to really pay attention too much to, but you can like half focus and do whatever. Or movies that calm you down. I know that yeah. you and I both like we had a collection of like movies before, you know, streaming was more popular, but collection of movies that were comforting. And mm-hmm. that was something that I like put on every single night before I went to sleep. I'd put on like a movie that I knew well enough that I didn't have to stay awake to watch or whatever yeah. and just fall asleep to it. Jeff and I just joked about this because he was trying to watch the Steelers game yesterday. And I was like, oh, it's free on Peacock. And I have Peacock because I have all the streaming services. And I said, you know, it's funny. I have all the streaming services. I only watch one. And he said, if it doesn't have friends or crazy rich Asians, you ain't watching it. Exactly. And um, But just as a general wrap up, I also received a very nice message. Well, a few very nice messages we both did. We both received some great ones from people who listen. And we are yeah. so incredibly grateful for those people. Um, I got a really nice email from... My one friend who emailed us. So, dear Mary and Elena, just wanted to tell you both how much I enjoyed your first episode. Even if I didn't know you, this is definitely something I would listen to. Loved it. Can't wait for the next episode. I so, uh, we did answer your email, but thank you, Nora, so much. Little shout out from 
other friends and things. We got we just got some like really nice messages. Yeah, it was really lovely to hear that because we've. I mean, we've both been a little anxious about doing this. Yeah, and I want to say the it. imposter syndrome is strong, but I also, I mean, we have anxiety. Like we've been talking about. I think if anything, kids made obvious with this episode is that we have massive anxiety. But yeah, so we are just incredibly grateful for those people who listen. And once again, if you could tell about our podcast to somebody that you know, um, we are incredibly grateful. We've gotten just an outpouring of love and critiques, which we are really grateful for as well because we do want to make it better. We know that my heat vent comes on in the background and all of that stuff that, you know, kind of gets in the way. But we hope that you listen anyway. So the challenge for next week before we record again. So we are recording on Monday. We are going to commit (laughs) fully to doing one of the methods. So committing fully to doing one of the methods that were listed today. And I just want for us to do one of these things for a full week, fully commit to them, and then we report back. I'm going to do the yoga. Okay. I think maybe I'm going to make lists. I think I'm going to try. I don't know yet, though. The topic for next week is what else can we do for a solid morning routine? Listen, if someone can give me a good suggestion for that, that would be great. Yeah, please (laughs) help. If someone could please give me a recommendation on how to actually live my life in the morning. So if you guys could email us at whatelsecanwedopod at gmail.com your suggestions for a solid morning routine or what you do as your morning routine or... Questions that you might have about morning routines and one that we could do that we could all figure out together to figure out what would be best for all of us. Because, again, it is not one size fits all. Um, And I'm going to, once again, ask on my Facebook what everybody's morning routine is and what they suggest for a good morning routine. We'll do some research and we'll figure out what people are recommending for a good, solid morning routine to start your day off positively to kind of reduce some of that anxiety we've been talking about. So once again, follow us on what else can we do pod on Instagram, can do pod on Twitter and email us please at what else can we do pod at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much for listening. We are so incredibly grateful. More than I think you guys will ever know. Why don't I know how to end this? Adios, muchachos. Okay. That's good enough.